0: White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. That baby will go! Lance Lynn with an absolute gem. Deep. Hooray! It is gone! It's a no-hitter! Carlos Rodon! What a performance! Now here's your host, Connor McKnight.
1: Good morning, everybody, and welcome in to White Sox Weekly, Happy Saturday to you. It is the second White Sox weekly of 2022. I am Connor McKnight. Lots to do on the show this morning. We got you from 9 until 10. You can hit us on Twitter at ESPN White Sox. That's the Twitter handle for the entire White Sox radio network here at the station. Hit me personally at C1 McKnight. You can follow our guy Tyler Aki, producer extraordinaire at uh, Tyler Aki underscore that's A-K-I. He's just He's just a fun follow. I don't even need to give you a reason to follow him, but you should anyway. Uh, again, like I said, lots to do on the show today. Yes, the, the lockout is still going, and we'll have a little bit of a lockout update later on in the show. But this is you know, kind of the meat of the offseason for us here at White Sox Weekly. Just because there's not a lot of baseball news going on doesn't mean there aren't plenty of things to get into uh, as it regards the White Sox and this offseason. As you may know... On the show, we've been doing the uh, season review and preview episodes position by position. Last week... We covered right field. A lot of options out there for the White Sox to both improve externally and internally in right field. The week before that, we did uh, second base. Actually, you know what? It might help if I give you the actual schedule of when we did what. You can download all of our episodes of White Sox Weekly on the ESPN Chicago app. Just download the app and click the White Sox Weekly tab. You can download each one of our episodes if you're super interested in uh, each individual position or specific Positions, I should say. And, of course, all the interviews that we do uh, over the course of the offseason are up there as well. We've got a good one scheduled for later on this morning. I'll let you know what that is in just a bit. But uh, if you're interested, ten twenty three October 23rd, we covered the bullpen. On the 30th of October, we did first base. Jose Bray is still very good. Uh, on the 13th of November, we did starting pitching. A little bit of a break in between us. We had a lot of news. And the White Sox season wrap-up press conference Christmas morning, we covered second base, and New Year's Day, we got into right field. Today, a little bit easier of a position to preview, and I guess review, but but a crucial one to be sure. We're going to focus on center field, and maybe, just maybe, my favorite White Sox player going right now. I Listen, there's a couple of guys in the running, and who's to say you couldn't have a whole bunch of favorite White Sox players, but... When it comes to, you know, guys you can really, truly dream on, guys who have the the ceiling as the floor, right, or whatever Michael Jordan said, told us that it was, This Luis Robert is the guy that you can really dream on. Luis Robert is a guy whose ceiling may just well be unlimited. So we'll get into Luis Robert a lot in this morning's show. We will also continue the, uh, the interview series. Really looking forward to this. Ben Lindbergh of The Ringer and fan graphs and a bunch of other smart places where you can write and listen to baseball thoughts, is going to be our guest at 9.30 this morning. Ben is one of my absolute favorite baseball writers and thinkers. Uh, he's one of the preeminent baseball writers, uh, really, of the, of the generation. I'm buttering him up now uh, so that I don't have to do it at 9.30 because I don't know that he's the kind of guy that likes a whole bunch of butter on his bread, so to speak. But Ben is one of my absolute favorites. Really looking forward to talking with him at nine thirty. We're just gonna, we're just gonna kick it around. We're just gonna bat it around and see what happens. Uh, there is a lot to talk about in, in in regards to the game, even though there aren't a lot of you know lockout updates and and that kind of thing. We'll pick his brain on the White Sox uh, past, present, and future. Before we dig into the ever exciting CBA update, and I promise it'll it'll be somewhat brief. I should let you know that if you are already planning a special occasion at the ballpark. We've got you covered. When you lock up your group outing for 2022, you get priority to select the biggest matchups and to choose the best space for your group. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit WhiteSox.com. All right, let's get into the lockout. It's uh, that time of the show. We'll do just a little bit of a lockout update and then we'll move on to some actual baseball. So yesterday afternoon, Friday afternoon, Evan Drellick of The Athletic, which, by the way, congratulations to The Athletic. They're uh, you know near and dear to many baseball fans' hearts. They've got some dedicated reporters. James Feegan is the White Sox athletic reporter. John Greenberg, who's uh, closely associated with the ESPN 1000 station, having uh, been here for a little while and one of the founding members of it. Uh, The Athletic just got uh, bought by the New York Times, which, yeah, good for them. That's great. Big step up. Congratulations. Uh, They do some great work over there. Anyway, Evan Drellick, The Athletic, had a report out that, uh, I don't know, conversations are are percolating. It had been kind of a dead period here since December 2nd. That was the last time these two sides, the uh, MLB and the Players Association, had met. It's been since December 2nd that they've talked about anything substantial and the idea was that they were going to let the major economic issues wait until after the first of the year. It is decidedly after the first of the year um, and now there there is apparently a number of reports that says Major League Baseball plans to present to the Players Association uh, some of their ideas on the core economics of the sport a little bit later this month. Uh, Like I said, it'll be the first time since December 2nd that these two have really talked about the big money issues. That doesn't mean necessarily, writes Jellic, that pitchers and catchers are going to report on the 13th or 14th, depending on who you root for and where you're at. I mean, if you're listening to this show, it's likely the White Sox, and that's the 14th, or at least it's scheduled for now. Uh, And he does write that, unfortunately, the start of spring training remains in peril. I'm not sure exactly how much peril, but certainly some peril. Uh, MLB, just as kind of a refresher, it seems that Major League Baseball hasn't offered much. Uh, They have, in in terms of the way of of what we're negotiating about, what we're willing to talk about, right? How much they've offered is another conversation, but that they've offered um, kind of a... They said, hey, we're willing to negotiate, according to the players. They said, we're willing to negotiate as long as you agree to this, that, and the other thing, then we will begin to negotiate as long as we take these things off the table. The Players Association didn't like that very much. From the ownership's perspective, they've kind of said, well, listen, you're all over the place with what you want. You, you want this thing, and you want that thing, and you want this thing, and you want that thing. And it kind of sounds like Major League Baseball is is really trying to get the Players Association nailed down on what is most important. The Players Association has um, it's been trying to nail jello to the wall a little bit. They, they've got anti-tanking in their sights. Uh, they don't want teams. They want competitive balance. Uh, they're looking to get pay- players paid more in their first six years of Major League service time. Obviously, that's something we talk about a lot on the show. Um, So it sounds like in the next month or so, these two sides are going to finally meet for the first time since December 2nd. Talk about the big money issues. And it sounds like the collective bargaining tax, that threshold at which uh, teams over the number have to pay a certain amount of tax on the dollars they go over. And their Major League Baseball payrolls, and teams that are under you know get uh, you know, there's there's no salary floor right now and that's part of the conversation too. So that's kind of where we're at. It's a little bit expected, but I will say and it, and it gives me no joy to say it, but I I will say that over the last 2 weeks or so, kind of since just before Christmas, you know, I had been kind of holding out hope in in the folks that I'd talked with and just kind of some some smarter people than I about this situation. That maybe we we had a good shot of, of either starting spring training on time or, barring that, missing some of spring training and still being able to hit opening day. Given the tenor of some of the reports now and some of the conversations, I don't, I don't know that I hold that same optimism. Is it possible still? Absolutely. It's totally still possible, and I hope that's the case. Everybody listening knows that I like baseball and want to watch it from opening day to the end of the World Series, and I know a lot of fans feel the same way. Almost all fans would, I, I, I think, um, but it seems that we are in a bit of a a bit more tenuous situation than I had hoped for. Still, one that is rectifiable, but one that's just a little bit more jumbly than I think uh, everybody well than than I had hoped. That's for sure. And I hope it'll come off as as ish about this, right? I don't think that I was whistling past the graveyard. I know a lot of Sox fans um, felt the same way, or at least just judging things based on the and the action on Twitter and stuff. I just, you know, there there is a large economic um, benefit to playing games, right? I mean, the owners get the turnstiles moving butts in seats and beverages sold and players get to cash checks and play games, right? I mean, there's a large economic advantage to playing baseball as opposed to not. But when it comes to, you know, lockouts and collective bargaining negotiations like this, uh, there are obviously some standstills that can occur and, deadlines, and we've yet to hit one at this point. I mean, kind of the start of spring training might be one soft deadline, but opening day is certainly a hard one. There are deadlines coming up here that could force some action, and often we see these kind of negotiations in sports, whether it's the NBA or NFL or baseball in the past, um, get pretty close to the deadline before any real moving and shaking starts. All right, so that's kind of the nuts and bolts of it. That's where the lockout sits, or at least that's the, the latest that we've gotten. I know it's not a whole bunch of fun, but you know, labor negotiations very rarely are. I want to get back into, and we'll tease it just a little bit here. we got a break coming up, and then we'll get real into it. Luis Robert was really, truly everything the White Sox could have asked him to be in 2021, and that's with him missing a significant portion of games due to a hip flexor injury early on in the season. Robert is the kind of guy that is going to get Dark Horse MVP consideration as 2022 begins, whenever that is. He's the kind of guy that could challenge with the tools he's got for best player in the game. And if you think I'm crazy, well, stay tuned, because I think I can prove it to you on the other side of a quick break. You can enjoy the best views of the ballpark with an all-inclusive experience in premium seating. Take a package, start at just 20 games, and include flexible payment plans postseason options and more for more information call or text 312-674-1000 or visit whitesox.com we sing the song of luis robert when we come back it's white Sox weekly on espn 1000
2: this is white Sox weekly on chicago's home for sports espn 1000
0: We are talking White Sox. This
2: is White Sox
0: Weekly. If you missed the show, we put the podcast up on the ESPN Chicago app. So listen on your time. White
2: White Sox Weekly, ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.
1: (laughs) White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. You can secure your spot at home with a White Sox ticket package. It's the best way to get priority access to guaranteed rate field this season. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit WhiteSox.com. The offseason review and preview series rolls on. We're getting into center field today. Ended the last segment talking a bit about Luis Robert and hyping him up. Lord knows he doesn't need me to do it. His play has done plenty of talking in 2020, as rookie season, and 2021. But before we get back into that, uh, just a quick reminder. Ben Lindbergh of The Ringer is coming up at 9.30. He's our guest. Really looking forward to that. He is one of my favorite baseball writers in the business. Uh, for what it's worth, the Hall of Fame voting continues. Uh, ballots were due just a couple of weeks ago. Ben is a Hall of Fame voter. We're not going to talk much about the Hall of Fame, uh, but I would encourage you to check out Uh, His podcast, Effectively Wild, it's uh, hosted by Fangraphs. It's a great pod. He and Meg Rowley do an amazing job on that podcast. I've been a listener for a real long time and get some of the crazier ideas that I've got from the pod. But uh, Ben kind of outlined his stance on Hall of Fame and its voting in that pod. uh, I want to say a week and a half ago today... So go check it out if you're interested. I think it's a worthy conversation, and he had it there with his listeners. Ben's coming up again at 930. So in the season review preview segments here on White Sox Weekly during the offseason, we've taken a look at a couple of trouble spot positions, right? Or at least positions where the White Sox answers, you know, second base, right field. And to a certain degree, when we did the bullpen, Kendall Graveman wasn't signed. Places where they might make additions uh, and, and change this, the, the landscape of that position a little bit for 2022. Today, we look at center field, and it's a completely different feel, obviously, because Luis Robert is that guy and is going to be that guy for seasons to come. The solution is on the roster. But for me, in center field, when I look at the White Sox in 2022, and 2023 and 24 and 25 and 26 and 27, the length of Luis Roberts' contract plus the extension that I hope he signs with the White Sox after that, it's apparent that not only is the answer to center field on the roster, but Luis Robert is one of the guys on this team that has everybody looking and saying, oh, that could be that guy. You know, that could be that guy that elevates his game to otherworldly proportions. That's that guy that if everything comes together, and, and that's not to say that it hasn't already, at least for stretches in his very, very young and very, very brief career, uh, where if everything comes together, he can he can carry a ball club for a week and a half or so. He can be that guy uh, around which you build. He can be that guy that's the five-tool, six-tool player, if you believe Frank Thomas, and, and why shouldn't you? Luis Robert's not even played really a full season of games. Now, part of that is, part of that is is due to injury, and part of that is due to things that he isn't in control of. Right? I mean, the sixty game season in twenty twenty due to the pandemic. He played fifty six games in twenty twenty. That was his rookie year, and it was marked by a, a a brilliant debut, followed by about well, I shouldn't say followed by, but the last four or six weeks of which. He really hit a wall. Kind of one of those rookie walls. He was swinging a lot, swinging and missing at a lot. Breaking balls were absolutely killing him. But in the playoffs, he hit an absolute tank shot against the A's. I think the thing went 789 feet. It was it was just an absolute mammoth home run. And in 2021, it was a season that was bifurcated by injury. Right in the first part of the year, he only played 68 games. In the first, you know, five weeks of the season. There was a lot of contact. There was not much power, and there was some pretty good center field play. Then he got hurt, and I, you know, I remember being there at Guaranteed Rate Field when he went down. I remember, you know, hearing and feeling what Len and DJ were saying on the broadcast. I mean, there truly was. Len mentioned it on the call. There truly was a hush that went over the crowd because of the injuries that had already happened to the White Sox up to that point in the season. You know, Luis, uh, rather, Eloy Jimenez being down. Adam Eaton had just gotten hurt a couple of days, maybe even two weeks before that. I think there was one more injury. Oh, Adam Engel uh, dealing with what he was dealing with. The uh, the outfield was really hit hard by injury. So when Robert went down, not only was it another starting outfielder, but it was Luis Robert of all people. And, yeah, he had some injuries in the minors coming up after he'd signed, uh, but this was a different situation. This was a different feel. When he came back, though, Luis Robert was quite literally everything you could ask of him. I had Rick Hahn on White Sox Weekly, I, I want to say maybe three weeks before the end of the season. Three weeks before the series against the Astros started. It was after the trade deadline, that's for sure. I remember that much. And what we talked about then was, I just kind of asked him, you know, Rick, when you went through your, your trade deadline plans, how did you project out what you'd hope to get, what was reasonable to expect from guys like Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert when they came back from injury? Because there's a lot of, you know, listen, you, you just don't know how a player's gonna rebound from injury. The rehab can go well and then you can throw them in a game. And the, you know, the beat up of of back-to-back nights, the first time around, all that kind of stuff, it's it's unpredictable, especially with soft tissue stuff, the way Robert had to deal with. So when you go ahead and evaluate, okay, what's possible, what's what's reasonable to expect, what more do I have to add around this team, knowing that it's it's possible Robert comes back as just a you know, a glove first guy. He can handle center field, play defense, and, and whatever he gives us at the plate is a bonus because timing's gonna be a factor and you know, his ability to you know, to be durable, to, to have that stamina is, is gonna be in question and rightly so due to the injury. He said, Yeah, that's that's essentially what we had to think about what robert has given us since we got back was absolutely incredible and that that really kind of stands out in the numbers in the games after his injury it was 43 starts in total 180 at bats he hit 350 with a 389 on base and slugged 622 it's an ops just over 1000 1011 if you're counting 12 home runs 13 doubles 35 runs driven in, and he was batting out of the you know top third of the lineup for a lot of that and was you know obviously moved up into the two spot after I think that game one loss to the Astros in the playoffs too, which I quite liked, uh, that balance of the lineup. Just two stolen bases, and obviously when you're coming back from injury like that, you're not looking to push it, that's for sure. Luis Robert is, you know, I mentioned it off the top of the show, the kind of talent, the kind of five-tool guy that you're going to see in a lot of betting spots, if you're into it, um, as kind of that, you know, maybe fourth or fifth or sixth best favorite to win an AL MVP, I think, in 2022. He'll be some fun bet. You know, it'll be a fun bet to make, a fun money to spend. Um, I I think he's got the talent to do it. I think, you know, you you can look around this division, uh, look no farther than Byron Buxton, perhaps, and see You know, kind of the way that they look at Buxton, the way the Twins look at Buxton and see kind of a a shadow of Luis Robert. Now, obviously, Robert's much earlier in his career, but Buxton's that kind of guy. In fact, when we were previewing the Twins before last season started, I had Corey Provis, their radio play-by-play man, on. And I asked, Corey, if Byron Buxton plays 145 games in 2021, then finish the sentence. And he said, well, then Byron's an MVP candidate. Because that's all he needs is to be healthy for 145 games, and the talent's going to win out. And that's, you know, that's what I think a lot of people see Luis Robert as. We've got Ben Lindbergh of the Ringer coming up in just a couple of minutes. I'll ask him the same question. If Luis Robert plays 145 games, then finish the sentence. And I, I think, you know, what you're going to hear from him is is m- much of the same. Now, that's not to say that Robert doesn't have. I don't know, some warts in his game. Obviously, staying healthy is important. Availability is the primary ability of a ball player in this day and age. That and maybe versatility, a lot of adverbs. But the way he plays defense, you know, his center field is up there, and I don't even think that he was going at 100% speed or, or maybe reaction time or quickness out there in center in 2022. And I think, again, that stems from the injury itself. He's a little swingy. He's aggressive. A little bit like Tim Anderson in that regard. What he swings at, he can get to, though. Uh, Luke Hooper of Fangraphs, incidentally, wrote a really interesting piece about the adjustments Robert made after coming back from his injury. He opened the stance and then opened it a little bit more and opened it a little bit more and really got to fastballs. I mean, he clubbed fastballs for power last season. Sliders gave him a little bit of trouble. It does everybody. He even still handled that breaking ball fairly well. He's aggressive early in the counts, is Robert, and that benefits him some. I'm seeing that in and around baseball that, you know, getting that pitch early and often, if you can, is an opportunity to hit for a little bit more power than deeper in counts. And I'm not talking about, you know, two strike counts. I'm just talking one more pitch down the line, right? I mean, everybody knows that hitting with two strikes is a lot harder and you see lower slugging percentages. But early on in the count, real early on, I think you're seeing some guys with, with, um, Real good bat to ball abilities, kind of get after it. Robert showed me something. It was against the Twins after he'd come back from his injury early on too. He was facing Bailey Ober, 25 year old rookie. He faced the White Sox a lot last season, and he wasn't, yeah, he wasn't all that good or anything like that. The WHIP was 1.02 for Ober. He only threw 92 in a third innings, ERA 4.19, but he was having a pretty good start, and he uh, he fell behind Luis Robert. He threw him a fastball that wasn't close, and then something up and in that wasn't close either. So he's 2-0, right? And he gets a curveball from Bailey Ober, Robert does, and he lets it go. I mean, just this mammoth shooting for the fences, home run kind of swing. And I remember kind of going, oh, man, that was a that was a big one. And DJ pointed out on the broadcast how much he loved that swing. He missed, swung and missed, did, uh, did Luis Robert. But how much he loved that swing. And the reason why was because... He knows he's got this guy right. He's got this guy timed up. He knows what kind of stuff he's got. He guessed at the curve. It wasn't a bad timed swing. He just swung over the top of it. It was an okay curve ball, and he just missed it by a little bit. But Robert knew that in that spot, I'm two zero. I think I'm getting the curve ball. Swung at it, missed. Gave it his home run swing, but now Ober, and this is the way DJ tells the story. Now Ober knows he can't come with that again. I've got that timed up, and that is that's his best breaking ball. Now he's got to bring me a decent fastball or at least that's what you'd expect you know you're trying to force him into that pitch so he lets it go on that 2-0 curveball swings over the top of it goes for the fences that kind of thing and then he gets his heater gets his heater lines it the other way for a double and I just you know that at bat that he's smart he's an incredible I think he's an incredibly smart hitter and and to do all of that to make all of those gains after being hurt and not playing, is wild to me. Absolutely wild. I am, you know, I'm over the moon about the potential for Luis Robert in 2022. And a lot of White Sox fans are. I'm glad that we get to do this part of the season review and preview episodes because, you know, second base is, it's got some question marks. And right field, same situation. But when you get to center, man, when you get to center field, Luis Robert and the White Sox really shine in terms of depth chart. When we come back, Ben Lindbergh is our guest. He writes baseball and a whole bunch of other things for The Ringer. uh, Really looking forward to talking with him. He's one of my favorite baseball writers in the country. Before we go, you should know that you can enjoy the best views of the ballpark with an all-inclusive experience in premium seating. Ticket packages start at just 20 games and include flexible payment plans postseason options and more. For more information call or text 312-674-1000 or visit WhiteSox.com Ben Lindbergh of The Ringer is our guest on White Sox Weekly next on ESPN 1000.
2: Chicago's home for sports is the home of the White Sox.
0: This is White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000.
2: Chicago's home for sports is the home of the White Sox. We're on twitch.tv or the Twitch app. Follow us at ESPN 1000 Chicago.
0: Welcome to White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000.
1: Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. I'm Cod McKnight. Our guest this morning is Ben Lindbergh, senior editor at The Ringer, host of the Effectively Wild podcast, author, too. He wrote uh, The MVP Machine and The Only Rule It Has to Work. I should tell you, Ben, first of all, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, the only rule it has to work was the one Christmas gift I got this Christmas, and it is scheduled to be the book I read on my honeymoon in a month. So no pressure. I hope it's good.
3: Oh, wow. Yeah, that is a lot of pressure to live up to. <laughs> well, I hope that you had some other backup gifts or, or you got a gift receipt or something, just in case it's not what you wanted. But mm-hmm. uh, but yes, happy to be here. Thank you for having me. And, and we hosts of baseball shows have to help each other out through these light content times.
1: That we do. And, I, you know, that's kind of where I want to start, Ben. I... How is baseball life right now? And do you have any advice to fans who are watching the frozen stove and or the lockout conversation that's kind of going on slash, you know, not going on these last couple of months?
3: Well, pursue some other hobbies and interests. (laughs) I don't want to steer people away from baseball. I mean, look, I I think it's not great for the game and for the sport that it's just a, a dead zone right now that there is nothing new to talk about there isn't really even anything new on the negotiations front right so even if you wanted to talk about the lockout there's not much new to say there either you know I don't think that everything we like in every sport has to be a, a 24/7 12 months a year exercise in some ways although I miss baseball over the winter I appreciate getting to take a breather right and think about other things and work on other things things, and absence makes the heart grow fonder, and then it comes back, and you're happy to have it back, right? But usually, there is that steady drip, right, of rumors and news, and I'm not even a big rumor guy who is, you know, refreshing MLB trade rumors every five seconds, but it has been a little bit different this year, right? Not even to have the signings, have the trades, just kind of that quiet background noise of the baseball offseason that we're so used to, we kind of take for granted. And now it's just been radio silence in a lot of respects. So if you're someone who's following the game in a typical way, it's just not there for you right now.
1: So included in in some of the rumors we do have uh, about the lockout, about the CBA, are some proposals of new rules, some ideas that, they're either kind of off the wall or just kind of, you know, skeleton structure rules that I'm sure will change as negotiation comes around. But I wanted to ask you, I, I hope in the spirit of the Effectively Wild podcast, something a little bit more, a little bit crazier. If you, <laughs> if you, Ben, could slide a rule just at one page and in the middle of the CBA and at some point in the season, they'd get to the rule and be like, oh, my God, this is in here. We have to play by it now. What would that rule be real or imagined wild or not on field or off? I don't know. Like some things that you guys have covered are putting hurdles in between the base pads just for fun. <laughs> uh, a Shohei yeah. Otani clone on every team. Is there, is there one thing that you need in baseball in 2022 and
3: beyond? you name it, we have talked about it and entertained the hypothetical on the podcast at some point, and whether it's running the bases backwards or whatever it is, I think, you know, there are some real and, and realistic proposals that I like. One idea that I think is kind of interesting, just because I'm a, a big opponent of, you know, the the Manfred Man, as some people call it, or whatever you want to call the uh, the extra automatic runner in extra innings. I'm, I'm hoping that will be behind us. We will see, but Other people have proposed other sort of sudden death methods that we could use, and look, I'm fine with just regular old extra innings the way they used to work. I like long games, and I'm totally fine with that, but I kind of like the idea of just removing a fielder every inning or at some regular increment. You know, it's uh, almost like uh, pulling players off the ice or something when you're late in the game and maybe you get a three-on-three going or something. That would be one way to end the game a little earlier, and then there'd be a lot of strategy do we position the remaining fielders, right? And we might actually learn something about baseball, too. You know, what difference does that make to have one less fielder on the field, two fewer fielders on the field? So, again, I hope we go back to the way it worked before. But uh, if you have to concoct some strange scenario, some way to end the game, I think that might be a fun one.
1: I dig it. When you look back, Ben, at the White Sox in the 2021 season, kind of knowing you know everything that 2020 was and, and wasn't at the same time, are there a, are there a couple of players uh, performances or maybe even just kind of um overarching themes of the ball club that kind of stand out to you as we you know hopefully kick 2022 off soon here
3: Well, I'm only partly pandering to your audience when I say this, but (laughs) I really do mean it to some degree that one of the top reasons why I hope we have a full uninterrupted season this year is because I want to see what the White Sox can do. I think they're such a fun team. They have so many fun players, and obviously it was a successful 2020 for them in a lot of respects, but they were so short-handed at times, and some of their best and most exciting players were missing for such long stretches. And, And it wasn't just the White Sox, of course, injuries were kind of a constant around the league and they still what they won 93 games i think they had better underlying numbers than that they could have won more But you look at all the players they were missing for months at a time, whether it was Madrigal or Jimenez or Grandal or Robert, you know, just on and on these absences. And they managed to fill those holes. And and I think it's a a testament to the depth of their talent that they did. But I just want to see what they can do in a full, healthy, uninterrupted 2021 with all of those guys clicking. You know, Luis Robert, you saw the, the breakout he had after he returned from injury and seemed to make. Much more contact, although he was still certainly not a selective swinger. But I want to see what these guys can do together as a unit. And, you know, they're one of the teams that maybe has a a hole or two to fill and will have some things to do whenever the lockout is finally resolved. But Even as they're constituted right now, you'd have to think that they're clearly the favorite in that division and that they'll be the most entertaining team in that division. And really, the fact that the White Sox as a franchise have never made the playoffs in back-to-back full seasons, uh, you know, of course, they made it in 2020 and 2021, but not in full seasons. I'm sure that is not news to your listeners and to White Sox fans in general, but that always blows people's minds when I share that stat just because the White Sox have been around for so long and they just haven't had those. Periods of sustained success. And they kind of get the short shrift, I think, when people talk about curses and droughts. People don't talk about the White Sox curses and droughts enough, right? They deserve to be mentioned in the Cubs and Red Sox conversations and, and Cleveland as well.
1: I think you just picked up about uh, 6,000 more White Sox followers on
3: Twitter <laughs> with that part. I know how to cater to my audience. It, it works,
1: man. Hey, listen, over the offseason, we've been doing like a, a series uh, of review-slash-preview episodes, position-by-position, position, because, you know, content and lockout and everything. And today, we focused a lot on center field, Luis Robert. And I Mm -hmm. kind of promised that I'd ask you this question the way I asked Corey Provis this question about Byron Buxton heading into last season. If Luis Robert plays 145 games, then finish the sentence.
3: (laughs) Well, then the White Sox will have a very successful season, and maybe this is a bit of an overbid, but it would not surprise me at all if he got MVP votes, let's say. I mean, I don't see how he couldn't if he continued to play at anywhere close to the level where he was late last season. Now, when he came back, he was a top-ten position player from, you know, whenever he returned mid-August on. Can he do that over a full year with his selectivity issues? It would be tough, I think, but I think he's shown signs of growth as a hitter, so I think he could potentially curb that as he gets a little older. And he's just so talented in every other aspect of the game. You know, he's just so valuable on defense, on the base pass, etc. That even if he didn't sustain that level of offensive production, he's going to be one of the best position players in the league, I would think. You know, so it's a it's an unusual profile. You know, can you make that kind of free swinging nature work? It's him and Javi Baez, and not a whole lot of other guys who fit that profile and can succeed at that high level but really that is one of the most intriguing questions to me you know give you a a full healthy season of robert how good can he be you know and this might not be his peak in 2022 but if he could keep at least some of the strides that he made late last season and just stay on the field he's going to be a ton of fun to watch
1: so it's interesting you bring it up that way because i i the White Sox have another player that fits that profile a little bit, and it's Tim Anderson. Now, mm-hmm. he's succeeded for a, a whole bunch of different reasons, but I, I wonder what you think, Ben, about the idea of teams really diversifying the lineup, I guess. You know, the Sox traded Nick Madrigal to the Cubs at the deadline for Craig Kimbrell. We've, we've talked and written about that a lot here on the show yeah. and in other places. Um, trade aside, like what it costs aside, the idea of having Madrigal, who is this supremely contact-oriented guy, mixed in amongst a swingy Tim Anderson and a very swingy Luis Robert and Jose Abreu, who can do the same at times in his in his you know season run, is there is there over is there more benefit to having a guy that's like Madrigal in a lineup that the White Sox have? Should there be a, a larger diversification of, of talents and swing profiles in a particular one through nine? Or or if you roll a bunch of talent out there, do you just hope over 162 it, it kind of takes over?
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of Madrigal, and I I wrote a big feature on him last year. And I would be sorry if I were a White Sox fan to have seen him go, regardless of what they got back, just because he is such a unicorn. He is such an outlier with that contact and with that strikeout rate. He just, you know, doesn't fit in this era of baseball. And so I want to see whether he can bend baseball to his will or whether baseball has to bend him to its will somehow. But I think aesthetically speaking, in terms of entertainment, yeah, you certainly lose something not having that diversity of styles. And I think that's something that, to some degree, baseball as a whole has maybe lost a little bit, and I would love it if there were more Nick Madrigals out there who were making that kind of contact. Of course, you can be very productive and more productive than Nick Madrigal striking out all the time, right? It just depends on whether you hit for power, whether you walk, whether you do other things on the base pass and in the field well. And that's why we've ended up where we are, because uh, teams, understandably, and hitters, understandably, we have prioritized value and what gets them paid and that's not always the brand of baseball that's most entertaining to fans analytically speaking i think there's been some research that says that there might be a, a slight edge to you know not stacking a bunch of low contact guys right next to each other in the lineup like maybe it's worse to do that and maybe there is some extra value if you have a whole lot of high strikeout guys to have some players who put the ball in play somewhere between them there but I don't think that's a, a huge difference, really. You know, when it comes down to it, it's do you produce the most runs however you do it? I just think that it would be wonderful if there were more metrics out there. For
1: about a month after the White Sox season ended at the hands of the Astros, uh, I vowed to not take from just one series, yeah, kind of a a one thing that the white sox need to do differently in 2022 you know after every postseason we kind of get this you know after the Royals run it was oh just have a lockdown bullpen or after the right. Cardinals thing with david freeze it was just like oh don't strike out stay alive for mm-hmm. 12 pitches and see what you can do that kind of thing and i i think there's There's interesting stuff you can write that way after a postseason run, but not reacting too much to four games or five games or six games or whatever it is, is crucial for a general manager. I I wonder, though, when you look at it from kind of a 10,000-foot view, are are there things that the White Sox should pull from what the Astros were able to do after they beat the Sox? Is there a, a specific place? Where you could see teams maybe evolving or or getting better to fight a squad like that?
3: Your impulse to avoid drawing grand conclusions from a pretty small sample is smart. And I try to do that too, because it is so easy to fall for the narrative and the recency bias and the way that one team wins in one month. I mean, that's all it is, right? It's one hot month and whoever has the best month ends up on top at the end. And really both of those teams, I mean, Atlanta, Houston, they were just staggering to the finish line, right? I mean, they're calling up pitchers to just try to have someone start in the World Series. I mean, this was a year when injuries just sank so many seasons. And the White Sox, of course, were victims of that at times, too. So I don't know that I would say go back to the drawing board and do something completely different. I mean, yes— there are some indications that maybe contact all else being equal is a little bit more valuable in the postseason just because against high velocity pitchers who you tend to face more often in the postseason it seems like contact hitters maybe suffer a smaller penalty against those guys than others do but that's not to say that you have to be this uh, small ball hitting and running team in the playoffs I mean hitting homers works really well too especially because it's tough to string together singles in the playoffs when you're facing great defense. Defenses and great pitchers, you want the big blast. So, no, I wouldn't say that the White Sox couldn't win as currently constituted. You know, is Tony LaRusa the tactical wizard he once was at this stage of his career? Perhaps not. <laughs> but I think the White Sox have stacked the bullpen to the point where basically every option he has is a closer, a former closer, another viable late inning option. So, you know, will they end up with Kim Who knows? But just getting Kendall Graveman, adding him to the crew that they already have, I mean, that is a, a shutdown unit out there.
1: Ben, really appreciate it. And if I guess if we take nothing else from this, it should be noted that in the playoffs, it's really difficult to play defense against 460 to center field. That's a, it's a good way to win ball <laughs> <Yes>. games.
3: <laughs> That's a good takeaway, too.
1: Ben, thanks again, and uh, we'll talk soon. All the best. My pleasure. That's Ben Lindbergh. Tons of fun talking baseball with him. Hope to make him uh, at least a semi-regular on White Sox Weekly. Sox fans, you can completely customize your 2022 season with a 10-game ticket plan that fits your schedule and budget. Don't miss any of the action to come. For more information, visit whitesox.com. We've got some news and notes when we come back and some fun White Sox prospect talk as well. It's White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000.
2: This is White Sox Weekly. On
1: the home of the White Sox. ESPN
2: ESPN 1000, 1000. Chicago's home for sports.
0: Welcome back to White Sox Weekly.
2: Listen to Chicago's home for sports on the ESPN Chicago app, 100.3 HD2 and ESPN
0: 1000. Now on the home of the White Sox, here's Connor McKnight.
1: on White Sox Weekly. Just talked with Ben Lindbergh of The Ringer. Great guest. Awesome interview. If you missed it, go to the ESPN Chicago app. Download that. Head to the White Sox Weekly page and download the podcast. Get them all. We took a look at Luis Robert in our season series of the Review Preview Position episodes. Good stuff there today as well. A couple of news and notes before we get out of here. First and foremost, you become a White Sox insider today for sweepstakes, special offers, the Friday Five Pre-sales and other exciting Sox content delivered free to your inbox. Visit whitesox.com slash email today. All right, couple of news and notes. We'll skip the open because uh, we don't have a lot of time left. I don't want to bump through a handful of things. You've likely seen the news that uh, Sunday night baseball is going to change a little bit. Alex Rodriguez and Michael Kay are going to have like a, a side cast, kind of like the Manning cast, I guess. Uh, still some details to work out there. And I think David Cohn's going to be involved too that's somewhat interesting. Uh, wanted to mention this. On MLB.com, you know, it's not a whole lot of content, what with the lockout right now, but they put together a piece, MLB.com, did. it's uh, William board Jim Callis, Sam Dykstra, some of the prospect guys. The prospects, they expect to break out in 2022, and they went through each team and picked a prospect, and I want to tell you the White Sox prospect that came up. It was Jose Rodriguez, shortstop. Here's the write-up. While many of the White Sox's best young prospects struggled a bit in 2021, Rodriguez bucked that trend by hitting 301 with a .338 on base and slugging .469, 14 homers, 30 steals in 111 games while advancing from low A to double A. Signed for 50 grand out of the Dominican Republic in 2018, he could have at least averaged tools across the board and has a chance to stick at shortstop. He was the White Sox prospect most expected to break out by MLB.com. And if you want to know more about Jose Rodriguez, go download the episode back on October 30th. We had Chris Getz, assistant general manager and director of player development on. We talked a lot about White Sox prospects, including, and actually a lot, about Jose Rodriguez. That's going to do it for us. The boys are next with the hockey show. Thanks so much for listening. Back next week here on White Sox Weekly. It's ESPN 1000.
0: This is White Sox Weekly.
2: On the home of the White Sox.
0: ESPN 1000.